Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. So we are uh, in our message series that we've been going through the past uh, couple of weeks called In God We Trust, which is really exploring uh, the idea of um, what does it mean to trust God? How do we trust God? Is God trustworthy? Um, what does it mean to be an American Christian, to be a Christian in America, in Western society, Western civilization, where um, it's difficult, it can be difficult, um, when there are so many things that want to pull us away from trusting in God. Um, many people in our world don't even believe that God exists um, education and intellectualism has pulled us away uh, in many respects. And even as Christians, you know, uh, the foundation and the rock of, of what we have traditionally believed, um, coming to him, trusting in him, even that has been shaken in, in many, in many Christians, um, society, but also the events of the world around us. Um, it's difficult because there's a lot going on and sometimes it doesn't necessarily feel as though God is doing things. Um, it seems like it's easier than ever to uh, think that the world is ending or that things will never get better and that maybe God has abandoned us. And this message series is really all about um, putting our foundation back in the right place. And so um, the first week, you know, we talked about, is God trustworthy? And then last week, um, we talked further about uh, our influence and where we're receiving our influence from and, and spending time in the presence of God so that we can be sure to, to know him and experience him. Um, but today I want to read out of Psalm 46. If you guys are uh, have your Bibles with you, if you open your Bibles or your smartphones or your tablets, uh, open up the Bible app uh, or whatever you have and open it to Psalm 46. Uh, and I, my prayer today is that is that you would be comforted and would be encouraged um, by the Lord's word today. So let's uh, read here uh, out of Psalm 46, verse 1, and we're going to be reading, uh, I think, through verse 10. And I pray that God's word would be encouraging for us this morning. It says, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. Before we move on, I, you know, can't help but recall that today, this week, uh, on Wednesday, I believe it was, we had the inauguration of the 46th president of the United States. Um, you know, and for the purposes of whoever is listening today, whether it's live on our call or if it's online uh, on the website uh, through our podcast, you know, no matter if you're happy with the election results, with the inauguration results, or maybe you're disappointed whether you're excited for the future or whether you're scared of the future, I have to tell you that I am thankful for a God who is our refuge, for a God who is our hiding place, who is our strength, who is my shelter. He is an ever-present help in times of trouble. God is our refuge, it says in Psalm 46, verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. Verse two continues, so we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. 
Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. A river brings joy to the city of God, the sacred home of the Most High. God dwells in that city. It cannot be destroyed. From the very break of day, God will protect it. The nations are in chaos and their kingdoms crumble. God's voice thunders and the earth melts. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Come see the glorious works of the Lord. See how he brings destruction upon the world. He causes wars to end throughout the earth. He breaks the bow. He snaps the spear. He burns the shields with fire. But be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your encouragement. We thank you for what you're going to say to us today, what you said thousands of years ago to your people in one of the middle of the most harrowing experiences of their existence. And now in challenging times in our lives for various reasons, personally and corporately, we receive your word this morning. Encourage us. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of this message today is The Good News That No One Is Reporting. You know, we live in a world where um, you can turn on the news, whether it be local news, CNN, Fox News, it doesn't really matter. Rarely do you hear good news. Um, you know, it's easy to turn on your local news here in, in the city, and maybe they throw in a little puff piece about Flag Day. Or, uh, you know, like that there was a nice little grandma who, you know, did something nice for her family. But pretty much everything is led by the murders that happened in this street and the thefts that happened here and the fires that happened there and the news that's in the, the you know, the, the capital. And, you know, that's what that's what things are. And people have have said for years that the, the news rarely reports anything good. And so today I want to talk about the good news that no one is reporting. As I mentioned already, you know, we have just come through an election season. Uh, our nation is more divided than ever. Some people are feeling relieved and excited and elated and thrilled to pieces. Some people are discouraged. They're disappointed. They're devastated. Some people are just happy that it's over, to be honest, that the season of the election is over. Maybe they didn't even vote for anybody. They opted out of it and they feel like I'm done with this. My hope is that today's message will bring perspective to all of us. Um, this passage that God has, uh, has brought us to, Psalm 46, um, is very famous uh, because in Psalm 46, verse 10, it's a, it's a passage that has been quoted and given to Christians um, you know, to encourage each other for a very long time in times of trouble, right? Be still and know that I'm God. How many of you heard this before? Let me see your hand. Like, be still and know that I am God. It's an incredibly common phrase. But I want to give you the context of what's going on here in Psalm 46, because it's not as easy as it sounds. I mean, it's hard enough as it is to be still, right, and know that he is God. But what does it mean? And what did it mean to those individuals? Well, commonly, um, this psalm is believed to have been written in 701 BC, 701 years before Jesus Christ walked the earth. And uh, at the time, the evil king of Assyria 
as, uh, is about to attack Jerusalem. They had laid Jerusalem under siege. Um, and if you don't know what a siege is, uh, cities were uh, at this time fortified by walls and an army would come to invade and siege it instead of just attacking it head on, they would surround it. They would block off all supply routes and they would just wait it out. That's what a siege was. They would not allow any food to come in. They would not allow anyone to leave. Um, disease would begin to run rampant. People would starve. And then essentially what they would do is they would wait for those people uh, to either die inside or to surrender. And then they would come in and sack the, the city. So, um, the evil king of Assyria and their nation had come uh, to attack Jerusalem and they had laid siege to it. Um, and what you need to understand is that Assyria, the Assyrian army was like the most efficient and feared military force in the ancient world. Um, if you've ever seen the movie Taken with Liam Neeson, they were like the Liam Neeson, the Taken of that era. They had a very particular set of skills and they were, they, they, they were designed, it was bred for one thing. It's like the, uh, the Urukai in Lord of the Rings. They had one job to do and that was to destroy the, the world of men in Lord of the Rings, but particularly to destroy um, any army or any city, town, uh, nation that they were sent against. They were ruthless. They were cruel beyond all measure. And it wasn't that their goal was simply to win the battle. Their goal was to devastate and to humiliate. They would psychologically terrorize um, the people that they would conquer. In fact, what they would do is they would make tablets depicting pictures of what to the people that they conquered. Images of torture that they would send them postcard tablets ahead of time. They would mail them to them. And it would be images of impaling or uh, staking individuals on spears. And I don't want to get too graphic, but they would take these, these long poles that were like spears or swords, and they would set people on top of them through their backside and they would die on the pole. Uh, people, uh, it, is, it is believed by many scholars that impalement was created by the Assyrians. Um, the concept of crucifixion, uh, some believe that crucifixion was created also by the Assyrians and that the Romans just perfected the crucifixion. But regardless, you get the point, the idea here. They would create these tablets, these postcards, and then they would send them ahead of time to the, to the nations, to the governments and the people. And they would just throw them over the walls and they would send them in with messengers and essentially say, hey, we're coming. We're coming for you. And here's what it's going to be like for you. They would skin people alive. They would cut off their noses and their ears and then they would wear them as necklaces to show people what it was like and, and who they were. They would do that and they would take delight in it. This is the army that was coming. And I won't even mention some of the things that they would do to women and children. It's too gross and nasty and horrible. So it's in a time of national turmoil and what felt like utter hopelessness that the spirit of God gives them hope. And 2,700 years later, the same hope is given to us today when we read Psalm 46. Let's read it again. Psalm 46, 1, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. Always ready to help in times of trouble. It, other translations say it is an ever-present help, right? He's my ever-present help. And there are two Hebrew words here that I want to focus on. Nimsa 
Mayod. Nimsa Mayod. N-I-M-S-A. Nimsa Mayod. M-E-O-D. The word Nimsa means to, to be discovered, to encounter something or to experience it. This is the, this is the present aspect. The, it speaks to the presence of God, something that must be experienced or discovered, okay? Um, it is not something that I can tell you about. It is not something that I can show you. It is something that must be experienced. I mean, if you think about some of the most beautiful places uh, in our world, some of the wonders of the world, you can see pictures, right? I can tell you about it, but you're not really going to understand it until you've been there, like the Grand Canyon. Can you try to explain the Grand Canyon to someone? I have not been there. My brother, Chris, has been there. He's shown me pictures of it. He's told me about it. He's described it in the most descriptive language that he possibly can. He's even showed me a video of it. But I don't think it, I just, it doesn't, it's not the same thing. I've been to Niagara Falls, however. And I can tell people of the majesty and the beauty and the raw power and the ferocity of the water coming over the, one of the largest uh, waterfalls in the world. It's incredible. It's beautiful, both from the American side and the Canadian side. It's amazing. I have seen the Himalayas from a very far distance with my own eyes, and they are beautiful. They're majestic. They're, they're huge. And you can see why there's the stuff of legend, but I can tell you about it. I can, sh I can show you pictures, but until you've seen them and experienced these things for yourself, you just don't know. I was actually talking this morning in our, before our, our uh, church service began with my sister Kylie, we're talking about kids and what it's like to have children and how it's difficult to be a parent sometimes. And other people who don't have kids often say, why would you want to have kids? It just seems like a mess and frustration and difficulties. And we go, oh, it is. But at the same time, it's the most wonderful, beautiful, most powerful thing, right? But you just got to, you just got to experience it. This is the nimsa of God's presence. It must be discovered. It must be encountered. It must be experienced. I cannot tell you in enough words how good God is, how powerful he is until you experience for yourself. I have experienced his power. I have experienced his supernatural strength, his divine intervention in my life. I know that he can be relied upon. And the writer of this, of this psalm had experienced the most harrowing moments of his existence. And then he says that he is always ready to help, an ever-present help, the experiential help, nimsa. And then there's the other word, mayod, which means exceedingly abundant, like exceedingly much. Another author has said muchness, like the much, much, muchness, like the abundant muchness. There is, there is, no end to it. The number is large. It's bigger than comprehension, right? So it's been translated into always ready or ever present. It's like the, the ever present muchness of God. So when it says in, in Psalm 46, one, that God is our refuge and he is our strength and he is 
always ready. He is, we are able to experience, we are able to, to hold on to and encounter the muchness, the much available, never ending, running out ability of God to help in times of trouble. It's not like there's a situation where I was like, I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't see that one coming. Like I was in the bathroom. Sorry, I didn't didn't see that issue coming along. Or gosh, I'm not sure what to do about that. Like that's not God. Always ready, ever present help, the nimsa mayod. And what that means for us is that in times of trouble, God overflows with his exceedingly abundant protection provision, and strength. In times of trouble, God overflows with his exceedingly abundant protection, provision, and strength. But what does this, what does this mean for us? Like, what, what does that mean for us? Like, last time I checked, my nation wasn't being invaded from the Assyrians. Now, our country does feel like it's in trouble in a lot of ways, but I don't, I'm not experiencing an invasion of an army you know, I'm not under siege where I'm going to starve to death, where I'm going to be tortured, those kinds of things. It's, that's not the case. What does it mean, though, when we're feeling overwhelmed with anxiety? What does the nimsameod, the presence of God, the ever-present help mean when we're terrified about the world that we live in? And what will my kids grow up into? What does it mean for us when we live in a global pandemic and I don't feel safe no matter where I go and my job feels fragile? What does it mean when my marriage is hanging on by a thread? My kids are struggling with so many things, being isolated and learning online school and just general anxiety and stress from the world. What does it mean if your faith feels weak? What does it mean? The nimsameod. In times of trouble, God's overflowing with his exceedingly abundant protection, provision, and strength. And what it means is that God is exactly what you need when you need him. And he's more than that, too. He is exactly what you need when you need him, and he's more. Who is God? This is the good news that no one is reporting. This is what Psalm 46 talks about. If you are anxious, he is your peace. When you are hurting, he is your comforter. If you are lacking, he is your provider. When you have sinned, he is your righteousness. Our God is your hope when you are weak. He is your hope when you are hopeless. He is your light when the world grows dark. When you're in trouble, he is your shield. He is your rock. He is your fortress. He is your defender. Our God is exactly what you need when you need him and more. Let's go back to Psalm 46. Verses six and seven says this, painting this picture, the nations are in chaos and their kingdoms crumble. It feels like that, right? Doesn't it feel like right now our nation is in chaos? And the kingdom is crumbling? But God's voice thunders and the earth melts. God is above these things. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. You remember what we said in December? Jesus was called Emmanuel, which means God with us. He is present. Our God is big enough 
to oversee the entire world, but he's loving enough to care about you and me. He's big enough to oversee the entire world. He sees what's happening. He's orchestrating and he's moving in and out and he's allowing, allowing things to happen. And yet he loves us enough to care about each one of us. He sees exactly where we are. So then from that perspective, what does the psalmist say in verse eight? Come, see the gloriousness of the Lord. He's inviting you to experience it. It's not something you can do on your own. You can't just, you can't just talk about it. He's saying, come see it, come experience the nimsa mayod, the ever, ever present, abundant, experiential presence of God, the muchness. You have to experience it. But then this is where the text gets difficult. Because imagine you were raising a family in Jerusalem at this time. You have an Assyrian army that is invading. And they've sent you these pictures and they're circulating around Facebook and everyone's sharing the pictures of the postcards that the Assyrians have just sent to your family members. You're terrified for what's about to happen. And the psalmist writes in Psalm 46, verse 10, so be still and know that I am God. And this is really, really, really hard because being still is not something I'm good at. It's not something that many of us are good at. And I would venture to guess that none of us are good at when you are in the face of an insurmountable difficulty or troubling circumstance. And yet that is the word that has been given to us from God, the spirit of God. It's not just someone saying, be, be still and trust in God. It's saying, and know that I am God. Like it's a prophetic moment. Be still and know that I am God. It is hard for me to be still because now I can't contribute. I can't be in control. I can't voice my opinion. There's nothing that I can do to fix it. I want to be important. I want to be the main character here, right? That's how I feel. This is my life. I want to fix it. I want to write my story, but that's not what it says. Notice it doesn't say be worried and know that I'm God. It doesn't say be freaked out and know that I'm God. It doesn't say be anxious or even be angry and know that I'm God. It says, be still. And the word still here, the Hebrew word is rafa, which means to be quiet, to relax, to give yourself some slack, to chill out, like take a break. This one's not on you. That's so hard. Like if I see a train, like coming, the first thing I'm thinking is I'm getting out of the way. And God says, no, just sit down. Just take a seat. Let me drive. Let me be the one. Like you just hang out in the back seat like you're in a limo. Just sit down. Just watch. Just chill out. Because God is big enough to oversee the world and loving enough to care about you. Rafa, be still. Be still. This is the hardest part of this verse. We say it to each other all the time, right? Hey, you know, we just got to be still and know that I'm God. But you're not facing an army but you are facing anxiety and your marriage is falling apart and your kids are failing out of school and your family is, is broken apart and you don't have a job and you're struggling. I can't pay my bills and I'm sick and all of these kinds of things. And God's answer to me is be still and know that I see you. Know that I know what's going on. Trust me, experience me, allow me to transform you by showing you, by, by doing it through you. Just be still and put your trust in me. I wanna know, Maybe you guys want to know what happened to all those people in Jerusalem. 
If you want to know, I encourage you, write this down. We're not going to read it now, but I want you to go read 2 Chronicles chapter 32. Or you can read 2 Kings 19. Two different books talking about the same occurrence. 2 Chronicles 32 and 2 Kings 19. What happened here? The Assyrians planned their attack. The king of Jerusalem, Hezekiah at the time, prayed to the Lord, got on his knees, and he said, there's nothing that I can do. I cannot defeat this army. They will destroy us. We need your help. You must rescue us, Lord God, the Lord of armies, right? And God does something incredibly miraculous. He sends one angel, one, not, not an army, not millions, not thousands, one, one angel. And it wiped out the entire Assyrian army, 185,000 soldiers, gone, dead, done. Wiped them all out. It didn't take thousands of angels. Why? Because it's God. Because he is powerful. He is the one who makes the, the mountains melt. He is the one who causes the rivers and the, the, the oceans to foam and to roar. And yet it says that he is in charge of them. He is above them. So much so that when Jesus commanded the sea and the wind to stop blowing and to be calm and to be still and to be silent, they all immediately in the boat recognized him as the one true Messiah because he commands the winds and the waves. This is the same thing that we see in this passage in Psalm 46, that God commands the nations. God commands these things. And when it seems like it is the worst possible scenario, all it takes is one word from God, one angel, one touch. What did we sing this morning? Just one touch from your robe, right? Steals the weakness out of my bones. Just one touch, just one moment. Our God is exactly what you need when you need him. He is big enough to oversee the world and loving enough to care about you. It just took one angel, one answered prayer is all it takes. One touch, one sermon, one word, Rafa, be still. If you are feeling like I want to give up, you're feeling like I'm tired, I'm frustrated, I'm scared, I don't know what to do, don't give up. Just trust, keep praying, keep trusting in God, experience his power, experience his presence, allow him to show you the nimsamayod, the ever-present help, his ability, his willingness. All it takes is one moment. Don't stop coming to church. Don't stop reading your Bible. Don't stop listening to podcasts. Let the word of God, all it takes is one, just one angel, one word, one sermon, one message, one word from a friend, and God will work in your life. I can't tell you when it's going to happen. I can't tell you how it's going to happen, but God promises to take care of you. He is our ever-present help. He is always ready to help in times of trouble. Be still. And know that I am God. And look what it says after that. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored. They will see that I can be trusted. I will be honored throughout the world. So what do you need today? What is it that you need? I would invite you to slow down. Silence the noise of the world. Turn off the news for a little bit. Turn off the radio and your music and the things that maybe even you enjoy. Just stop for a little bit. 
quiet your soul. Relax, rest in God's presence and let God be exactly what you need in the moment. And he can be so much more. Be still and know, not wonder, not hope, not wish, but know that he alone is God. He alone is God. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you are ever present. That you are able. That you are powerful in our lives. That you are trustworthy. God, we need you. I pray that Psalm 46 would become so foundational for us that we would trust in you. That we would experience your muchness, your presence, your trustworthiness. We need you, Lord. We put our faith in you. God, we thank you for the incredible news that you are above all things. And we sing to you in a time of reflection now time of exhortation to each other, to our own souls. That right now, right here and right now, we're going to determine that we will trust in your name. Because we need you, God. We need your power. God, and we need you to show us that there is more than we can see, and that you are with us. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home, or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.